Let's go ahead and open them to Matthew chapter 6. Uh, and let's go ahead and stand in the honor of reading God's word. We'll just read the passage and then uh, jump into where we're going to uh, go today just to make sure we, uh, we get everything. All right, Matthew chapter 6, go down to verse 9 as we'll continue to read the Lord's Prayer uh, today. Jesus, under the inspiration, or Matthew writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the words of Jesus here, pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And all God's people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. All right, you may be seated. Okay, so we've, we've, uh, we've asked God now uh, in this last part of the Lord's Prayer to deliver us from evil. But, you know, as you think, as you're praying this and you're asking God to deliver us from evil, you open your eyes from that prayer and you see that your enemy is still right in front of you, right? You, still, you, you see that you still have an enemy coming against you that we saw God's deliverance from evil is not always a rescue. Uh, it is sometimes, his deliverance is sometimes a preparation for the evil that is going to come against us. Sometimes the battle itself is the deliverance. Uh, as we saw last week, God's faithfulness in the battle, the necessary battles that we've faced. And so we've been looking at that sort of brand of deliverance from evil. Uh, God will never not deliver his people from evil. He will never abandon us, even our fight against evil. Even the battles that we're in, the spiritual war that we're in, is a part of his faithfulness. And so what do we do when our deliverance from evil is seen in our fight against evil? And so we started looking at what we must know about the fights that we're in. If we're in these spiritual battles, if the enemy is truly doing all that the Bible says, the enemy is wanting to do, uh, what must we know? Well, rather than starting out with how we fight, which is normally where we wanted to go, where we want to go, we looked at what we need to know about the battle. What do you need to know about the spiritual war that you're in? What do you need to know about the battles that, that you'll face? And those are, those are important because, again, if we don't know the right things about the battles, there's a chance that, that we'll be more likely to become discouraged, more likely to give up, more likely to feel defeated that we're even in this war to begin with. What kind of a Christian am I if I'm facing spiritual battles, which is the exact opposite way uh, that you should think? So how should we think about the fact that we're in this war against evil, how should we think about the fact that the evil one is seeking to destroy us, that, that we even need to be delivered? Uh, and so we looked at just some basic truths. God is guarding you. Uh, God is limiting what the enemy can do against you. He's supplying angelic provision uh, for the fight as well. The, that the war itself is actually a, a reason to rejoice because it proves our faith. It proves we're not on the side of the enemy. If the enemy's coming against you, that shows that you're not on the side of the enemy. So uh, in understanding spiritual warfare, God would say, you know, don't be afraid in terms of spiritual warfare because God is guarding you. Uh, instead, rejoice because in, spiritual, in your spiritual war, God is growing you. So how should you think about spiritual warfare? Don't be afraid of it. God's guarding you. Uh, in fact, rejoice in it because God is going to use it uh, to grow you, and this is actually a sign of that growth already. Begin 
That's the war in general. Now we've started focusing on particular battles, not just looking at the war, but what about the battle that I'm facing right now? What about the battle that I'm in right now at this moment? Not just the fact that I'm a Christian, and so I'm in uh, this spiritual warfare. Uh, I've been enlisted, right? Uh, We're all in that battle. What about the, the particular battles that we're in? How do we look at those? Not just at the war as a whole, but battles that we face along the way. How should we look uh, at those battles? And we saw the Bible has a lot to say uh, about that uh, as, as well. That when we look at the battles, we've prayed for God to deliver us from evil, that sometimes the answer for his deliverance comes in the midst of the battle, not an escape from the battle. So when, we, when faced with battles, what can we know about the battles themselves? Uh, we saw that all battles, you know, the battles are temporary. Uh, they're little, not long. Uh, they're right now. Not always. The battles are temporary. The victory is not. So the first thing God told us about the battles that you're in, you're, you're in this battle. It's about to happen. You, you're facing this temptation. Satan is, is, is coming against you. He's, he's trying to destroy you. He's, he's bringing all this temptation and stretching and all this. What can you know? One, know the battle is not long. The battle is temporary. This isn't how it's always going to be. The victory, though, is long. So we saw the battles are temporary. We also saw that the battles are necessary. That God says these battles that come our way, no battle that you face is there by chance. No battle that you face is there because God has abandoned you or forgotten you. Every spiritual battle that you are in, if, if, so if God who is guarding you, God who is limiting the enemy and what they can do to you, if he lets a particular battle through, if he lets the evil one attack you in this particular way, it's because the battle is for your good. This battle is a necessary one. It's not God's abandoning you. It's part of God's faithfulness. So you need to know that as you're fighting this particular battle. So know it's necessary, but also know that you can win. You can win every battle. You can win every battle. There's no battle you face that you cannot, in the end, glorify the Lord in how you handle that battle. There's no battle that is certain defeat for the Christian. No fight that you cannot overcome. Why? Because as we saw last week, God has prepared you. He has prepared you for any battle that you face. He's prepared you to fight. He's prepared you to fight powerfully. To take the battle to the enemy. To to leap over their walls. To pull back a bow of bronze. All those things that we saw David talk about how God has equipped him for war. Not just in in sort of a a controlled retreat or a strategic retreat. But offensively uh, to take the battle to the gates of held them themselves. He's prepared you to fight powerfully. He's prepared you to fight with holiness. So last week we saw God trains you for war. He trains both your hands and your heart. You, uh, if you're in this battle, you are ready for it uh, because God has uh, prepared you. So we've seen sort of those things that we need to know, those things that we need to know about the war in general, things we need to know about the battles in particular. But what are the actions we can be doing? So those are the things we need to know. What sort of actions can we now uh, take? Now, again, Knowing those things is an action. Making sure you remember those things, that is an action. So so meditating on those things is an action you can do. Make sure those truths are solidified in your head before you go and start doing the, the heavy lifting of these other things. Uh, but how do we how do if you know how do we prepare ourselves? We've prepared ourselves mentally, you know, so so now what we do what do we do? We're, we're ready to go mentally, we're prepared in that way. What's the next step? Uh, well, the answer is simple. Uh, you get ready. 
You know everything about the war. You know everything about the battles you're going to face, the battles you might be about to face or that are coming at you right now. So what can we do uh, in our spiritual? What can we do for the battles? The answer is get ready. Be ready to fight always. Be ready to fight at all times. So the question becomes, how does the Christian, how does the Christian get ready? How do I get ready for the fight that the evil one wants to bring my way? So let's look at how the Bible tells you to prepare for spiritual warfare, how to be ready. And the first thing we're going to see for the Christian in terms of, all right, you know what all you need to know. Now, what do you need to do? The first thing in terms of getting ready is to be on the alert. Be alert. Be on alert. The Christian, and that means us, we are to maintain a constant wartime footing. We are to always be ready. And we're to always be ready because our enemy is always looking for an opportunity. Our enemy is always looking for a chance to attack us. So we must always be ready because whether or not we're ready for, whether or not we believe we're, we're, the enemy does not forget that. So the enemy is always looking for something, always looking for a way. It's not that there will be times for the Christian. It's not that there are going to be times where we are in spiritual warfare. I think you're in some spiritual warfare. We, we are in it now. We are in the war now. The battle is on. See, we can't, we can't wait as Christians for Satan to bring some sort of formal declaration of war, right? You know, hey, I've decided to attack your marriage. Oh, well... All right, here we go. Where did I put that armor of God that I read about? Uh, or, oh, okay, so the battle's coming. I better, you know, stretch a little bit and do all this. The, 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 the devil doesn't do that. The evil one does not do the, 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 the declaration of war has already happened. We are in the war. And we've got to remember that. We've got to remember that we have to be ready at all times. We have to be alert. Because the battle is on. You're in the fight. So you should prepare yourself with that in mind. You should be alert, not as if you are at war, which is, it was a tempting way for me to say, be alert as if, you're in, as if you're in war. No, be alert because you are. You are in the war. And the enemy hates you. And we're going to see the enemy is very much on a wartime footing. So we need to be ready. We need to be ready for the fight. Turn to 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 5. Here we're going to see why is it so important that we're not just preparing ourselves mentally, but that we are ready right now at all times for if a battle were to come at this moment. Not, not like, you know, you're reading your history books and it's like, hey, a war is going to come. All right, it's going to take us, you know, six to seven weeks to start deploying troops and material and, and all this sort of stuff. How can you be ready now? And we're going to see that it's essential that you are ready right now, at any moment. Look at 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Why? Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. So you should be these things. Why? Because this is what your enemy is doing. This is what, so, so Peter gives us 
Two ways, two ways to live because our adversary is out there like a lion. Your adversary is out there looking for a chance to devour you. So what do you do? He gives us two things. Be sober-minded, be sober, and be watchful. Be awake. Two ways to be ready. Be sober, be awake. Be sober, and be awake. Now, what's interesting is this is not the only time that in terms of preparing for spiritual battle, that the Bible combines these two things in terms of getting ready. In fact, it's, it's not even just Peter that puts these two things together. Paul combines these two things in preparation for spiritual war. It's part of our being ready. Turn to 1 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. You're going to see the same two things paired together in preparation for spiritual war, in part of being ready for the battles that will come. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Go down to verse 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, go down to verse 5. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. Those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. There's that spiritual. So here you've got this, this, see the armor of God that Paul's going to tell us about later. And that we'll look at, we'll look at pretty soon. We'll look at part of it, you know, next week. Here's the armor for the fight. A fight we are in because we are children of the light, not children of the darkness. Praise God. And because we are in the fight, he says, we need to be ready. And how do we get ready? The same two things that Peter said. Be awake and be sober. Be awake and be sober. Because the fight's here. Be awake and be sober. Why? Because the enemy is on the prowl. The enemy isn't, the enemy isn't you know, cordoned off somewhere else and maybe there's a chance. He is prowling right now. Looking for a chance in your life right now. So be ready. Be ready when he sees the opportunity. Be ready when you give him the foothold. Be ready for that chance that he will take. And how do you get ready? You be awake and you be sober. That's two repeated ways to be ready for the battle. So let's take a look at what it means for those two things. And we'll look at them in the order of 1 Peter 5. So 1 Peter 5, uh, verse 8, be sober-minded, be watchful. Be sober-minded, be watchful, because your adversary, the devil, uh, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. So what do you need to be? You need to be sober-minded. You need to be watchful. So let's start with, with sober-minded. Now, the, the, the word there isn't, the word mind isn't actually in, in that word. It's just the word uh, for sober. It's just the word be sober, as in don't, don't, be, don't be drunk. Now, we know that you shouldn't be drunk on, on wine or, or strong drink. But the word actually came to mean not just not being drunk, but it came to mean some, being sober came to mean someone who was ready. Who was ready to, to be sober was to be ready. And that's why the example Paul gives in 2 Thessalonians, he says, be awake, be sober. Be awake, be ready. To be sober is to be ready. Now, now how did sober come to mean be ready? Because if someone's drunk, they are not ready. Right? A drunk person isn't ready for anything. Uh, and so that's, for example, that's why the Bible tells us that kings and priests specifically should especially be on guard against drunkenness. Right? So you read in Proverbs 31, 
It is not for kings, O Lemuel, it is not for kings to drink wine or for rulers to take strong drink. Lest they drink and forget what has been decreed and pervert the rights of all the afflicted. That's Proverbs 31, 4 and 5. Kings shouldn't drink wine. Kings shouldn't drink strong drink. Why? Because of this. Because they might forget these things. Leviticus 10, 9 through 11. See the same thing for priests. It says, drink no wine or strong drink, you or your sons with you, when you go into the tent of meeting. Now, why can they not drink wine or strong drink before they go into the tent of meeting? He says, lest you die, it shall be a statute forever throughout your generations. You are to distinguish between the holy and the common, between the unclean and the clean. And you're to teach the people of Israel all the statute that the Lord has spoken to them by Moses. So they, they, not, they need to not be drunk. Why? Because if they're drunk, then they won't be ready for what might come their way. In terms of the king, a king wouldn't be ready to deal out justice. You're going to forget what was decreed. You're going to forget what the just thing to do is because you, you aren't ready because you've been drinking. And here comes the battle. And you thought, oh, I, I thought I had a chance to, to get drunk for a little bit. And then the battle would come later. Or here are the priests, the same thing. They, not, not that they don't have the chance to, to lay out justice, but for the, for the priests, they won't be ready uh, to deal out righteousness. You can't, you can't go and be drunk when you go into the tent of meeting. Why? You're supposed to, de- to determine between the holy and unholy, between the common and uncommon. That's your job. And if you're drunk, you won't be able to do those things. And so here we see our, our enemy is outside. We need to make sure that we are sober. We need to make sure that we are ready instead of not being ready because we are drunk, because we didn't expect the fight to happen. So we thought we could party a little bit and then when the fight, we started seeing the fight, then we could get real serious. And sometimes a sober person is, is a serious person. No one in describing my personality has been like, he seems very sober. Uh, because, uh, but, you know, I'm sure Zachary has been called sober. Sometimes when I hang out with Zachary, I feel like I need to sober up a little bit. Uh, you need to sober up, be more like Zachary. Uh, and, but that, that, so that, that comes from that same idea. Someone who is ready, who's not loosey-goosey all the time. Someone who's ready to go. And that's how we need to be because our enemy is outside. So we don't need to be drunk because the battle could happen right now. To be sober is to have your senses about you. It's to, it's to be not just ready, not just not drunk, it's to have your senses. So look at 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 24 through 26. Here describing the Lord's servant. It says, The Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness, God may perhaps grant them repentance leading to a knowledge of the truth and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. So here we've got very much spiritual warfare for people uh, that's going, the devil capturing people to do his will. You've got people ensnared. And here, well, the, the, the word sober is found there in verse 26. Uh, the ESV translates that one word sober as come to their senses and escape. 
That's really just one word in the Greek, but it's trying to get uh, the idea uh, lay, laid out there. It's, it's really just one word. It's the word for up and the word for sober. We would say sober up. I would love if, it, if they translated it sober up, uh, that they would sober up uh, and get out of the devil's snares. Uh, that, that's the idea. They, you, you, you act this way, 2 Timothy 2, the Lord's servant must act this way because that's going to help these believers sober up who because they haven't been ready, because they haven't been sober, have been caught in the devil's snares. If they had been sober, as Paul told the Thessalonians, as Peter told the churches in the diaspora, if they'd been, if they'd been sober, they would have never been caught in the snare. They've never been caught in the battle. So what's the, what's the key again to not losing the battle? What's the key in is being prepared, and that preparation is seen in our sobriety. Again, it captures what it means to be sober. To be sober is to have your wits about you. And when you have your wits about you, you can get out of the devil's attacks. You can see them coming. You can see the trap before you walk into it. I mean, how many times have we fallen into sin and fallen into a battle that we've already lost before we even realized we were in the battle? We've already said it before we realized the temptation was coming for me to say it. It's not like, say it. No, don't say it. Say it, no, don't say it. And then finally, a lot of times you just go, blah, 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 blah. And then we go, whoops. Uh, and we go, you know, rewind. Uh, but we can't do that. It's, then we go, oh, no. I'm in, I'm in the midst of a battle here. I'm in the midst of a battle, and I've already made a mistake. I've already sinned in this. I've already, I've already lost some ground here. Because I've already, I already didn't handle it well. And I should have known. I would have known if I had my senses about me. I would have known if I were sober. But I wasn't. I wasn't sober. I wasn't ready. I wasn't realizing that I'm in the war. I might have been thinking about a thousand other things, but I wasn't thinking about the fact that the devil is prowling around looking to devour me. Oh no, here comes the lion. Well, I'm ready for the lion because I'm sober. I'm always watching. I'm sobered up. I'm ready to go because I know I'm in a battle. If I'm in the ba- if you know you're in a war, there's no way you're going to go, well, I know the battle's coming. I know the enemy's right there on the other side of the trenches. I'm just going to go ahead and get drunk. Because what are the odds? If you knew you were in the war, as God tells you you are, and if you knew your enemy was looking for the chance to attack you at any moment, I guarantee you, if you believed God, you would never allow yourself to be anything but sober. The only reason we are not sober is we do not believe God. We do not believe we're in the war and we do not believe that our enemy is looking for any chance we can give. If we did, we would sober up. And that's what, that's what Paul tells Timothy to tell the, the Lord's servants here, to tell the elders. That's what, that's what we see here uh, when Paul tells the Thessalonians, same thing. When Peter tells the churches, the same thing. The churches who have already been struck a blow and, and are being spread around. They go, oh no, what's happening? Of course, the Lord's going to use that to spread the gospel far and wide. So when the Bible says here to be sober, it's saying be ready. It means get your head on right. Have, have your senses about you, not, not, not have your senses dulled by, by anything. Be ready. So part of, uh, of being ready is being alert. And how do you be alert? Well, you're sober. I mean, that's the positive side. The negative side is don't, you know, you're not drunk. Don't be drunk. Now, again, we know we're not supposed to be drunk. Here, though, for Peter and Paul, what are they saying? The Christian remains sober by, by just not giving into the dark things of this world. 
Our, our job is to be ready because our enemy is outside. If we're drunk on the things of this world, then we won't be ready for the attacks to come. And I got to say, that, that is probably a more scary temptation for most Christians, more of a thing that we fall into than physical drunkenness probably is. It is probably more of a danger for us to be drunk on the things of this world rather than just being drunk on one thing of this world, which is wine or strong drink. We'll think we're winning the battle to be sober because we're not getting drunk on wine or strong drink when, when the Bible's warning us again. There's all sorts of things in this world that you can be drunk on and not be ready and not be sober because you've been, you've been drinking on it. And, and some of us, some of us would never get drunk but we are sucking in this world's things all day long. Our life, if you looked at our life, our life looks like just everybody else's, except maybe our Sunday mornings. Our life looks like everyone else's. We set the same goals for ourselves. We have the same goals for our kids. We have the same desires. We have the same schedules. We don't even recognize that we're walking right into the devil's snare. Why? Because we don't have our senses. We're not sober. And it's not drinking so much on the things of this world that we don't even realize it when we start to get a little tipsy and we don't even realize when we're outright drunk on the things of this world and open ourselves up to the attack of the enemy. So be ready. Again, not just because you'll be at, at war one day. It's not what I'm saying. Not because one day you'll be at war. Be ready because you already are. So sober up. Sober up or you might find yourself drinking with the enemy. And the problem is, by the time you realize that, it's already too late. You're already in his trap. It's when they sobered up that they realized, oh, I'm in the snare of the devil. Oh, no. And that's what happens. If you don't sober up now, you're going to sober up and you're going to see, you're going to sober up when you get a slap in the face because the trap sets. Boom. And that's when you go, what have I done? What am I doing? And the war becomes very real. The Christian must be ready and they must be ready by not being drunk on the darkness. So sober up. I mean, baptize your thoughts and your goals and your ambitions. You know, dunk your head like an old school Western movie. Dunk your head in, in the wake up call of God's word. Because the battle is upon you. And sometimes we just need God to take us out and dunk our heads in that reality to sober us up. The Bible says, be sober. But it doesn't just say, again, Peter and Paul, they, they call us not just to be sober, but to, but to be awake. So Peter, in, in 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober, be watchful. And Paul reverses them in 1 Thessalonians 5, 6, let us keep awake and be sober. So again, how does a Christian be ready? How do we make sure we're ready? Well, one, we're sober, we're not drunk. And the other is, we're awake, we're not asleep. So wake up. How can you be ready? You, you make sure you're awake. Not only are you sober in your right mind, you have your senses about you, you're, there's nothing distracting you, there's, there's nothing dulling your senses or, or keeping you from being ready for the fight, and then you make sure you're awake. The Christian is awake, meaning the Christian knows that the battle is here. Paul talks about it in, in Thessalonians, where he says the only ones who sleep are those who are still in darkness. You're not in darkness anymore. You're awake. The, the, the light is on. But we, because we are sober, we have our wits about us, and we know that the enemy is here. That's what, that's what Peter says. Be sober, be awake, because your enemy is looking to devour you. 
And so if you know that, what we do, you'll stay awake. If you really thought the enemy was about to devour you, if you really thought there was a lion seeking to devour you, you would probably have trouble sleeping. I had trouble sleeping even when Ralph assured me over and over, there is no lion in Africa seeking to devour you, Chris. I told you not to watch The Ghost in the Darkness before we went on the mission trip, but you did it anyway. Right? There's, there's, even, even when you know there's not a lion, you would have trouble sleeping because of your imaginary lion. The book of Proverbs mocks the, the lazy fool, right? The lazy fool who wants to stay in bed, who doesn't, who doesn't want to work, so he makes up these excuses. And what excuse does he say? There's a lion in the street, right? There's a lion in the street. And I thought, oh, to live in those days. You know, oh, the good old days when, you know, there'd be a lion uh, in the street. And now we just, it's just pit bulls. Okay, so, but what does the fool know? The fool knows. He knows there isn't a lion outside. He knows there's not a lion in the streets. Because if there was, if there was a lion out out there, there's no way he'd want to just go back to sleep. So he knows, he knows there's not a lion, but for the Christian, for the Christian, there really is a lion. There really is a lion in the streets looking to devour you. We would be foolish. The fool is foolish for acting, like, for acting like he believes what he knows isn't true. We would be foolish to not be ready because there is a lion. The, the fool knows the lion isn't there. We'd be foolish to think that the lion isn't out there. That's what makes us foolish. I mean, all the way back to like Genesis 4, what does, God, what does God tell Cain in Genesis 4? He says, Cain, sin is crouching at the door and its desire is for you. What does Jesus tell Peter in Luke chapter 22, verse 31? He says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. Now, one thing we lose because we speak English is the you there when he says Satan has demanded to have you, the you there is actually plural. Why, this is why Oklahoma English would be great. You know, the, 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 Satan has demanded to have y'all. Uh, Satan has demanded to have you guys that he might sift you like wheat. Satan, Satan is not just asking for Peter. Satan is asking for all the disciples. If that's true, if Satan is asking for you, I mean, you think of Job, right? You think of the story of Job and, and God's like, have you considered my servant Job? Now imagine that instead the story is, I have considered Satan saying, I have considered your servant such and such. And my desire is to sift him. If we, if we believe that to be true, if we believe Satan, that Satan's desire is to sift us, is to devour us. If Satan were asking for us, could you stay asleep? If you thought right now, Satan is in heaven asking the Lord that he might devour you. I guarantee you would have trouble sleeping. You would have trouble. Would you, would you, would you be like, oh, you know, oh, I guess I'll just fall. There's no way you'd go to sleep. I mean, think, think about when, when you've been woken up in the middle of the night. I mean, when you, when you get woken up in the night and you, even when there's not something going on, you have trouble going back to sleep. I mean, it, it, it happens to me all the time. There'll be a, the dogs will bark outside and it's like, it's go time, right? And it's like flashlight uh, and, you know, multiple mags and getting pins ready on grenades, everything just in case, right? Just in case. And then... Then it's nothing, right? Then it's like a possum, you know, walking. But well, if it was a possum, 
and it really would be go time. But and then let's say that it, that it's not anything out there, and I'm like, oh, they're just barking at the moon or or whatever. And then you try to go back to sleep, and you sit on the side of your bed, and you're like, it's not going to happen. I am not going back to sleep. And you look at the clock, and you say, yeah, apparently body and clock are not in agreement here. And you're ready to go. That's how the Christian should be at all times. Ready to go. Hearing noise, boom, I'm ready to go at all times. I'm awake. Why? Because God has told us that the presence of the enemy, the, he's, he's told us that the enemy's here. He's told us of the enemy's plans. He's told us what the enemy wants to do, how he's using others to do it. If we heard all of that from the Lord, if the Lord said, hey, 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 I know, I know you've probably been sleeping on the issue of spiritual warfare. I know you've been thinking about other things. I know you probably haven't even thought about the fact that you're in a war, but let me tell you what the evil one has planned for you. And let me tell you who he's using to do it. And let me tell you that he's doing it right now and he's seeking someone to devour. Let me tell you that right now he's asking to sift you. If, if, we, if, if God were to sit on the side of our bed and tell us that, we would never be able to go back to sleep. We would be awake. And yet that's, that's what Paul tells the Thessalonians. That the people who go back to sleep are the ones who are still in the dark. And the sad thing is we're, we're not in the dark anymore. So how is it that we allow ourselves to be anything but awake? I mean, the lights have been turned on. It's like when your kids come in at night. I mean, what do you want them to do? You don't care what they do. You just know there's one thing you don't want them to do, which is turn the lights off. Right? You're like, they're like, I got these. I don't care. Just don't touch a light switch when you do it. You know, uh, do whatever. I want to go outside and drive the car. All right, keep the headlights off. You know, just as long as a light doesn't, because what happens when the light comes on, then we're awake. And that's what Paul tells the Thessalonians. God has turned the lights on for you. That's why you're, that's why you're looking for the armor. That's why you're looking for the shield. That's why you're looking for the, the helmet and the, and the breastplate. Why? Because you know there's war. How do you know there's a war? Because God has turned the lights on. So wake up. It would be foolish. For God to turn the lights on, for God to tell you all this stuff, and you still stay asleep. Christian, God has turned the lights on for us. How can we not be awake? It is foolish for the Christian to go back to sleep. Uh, We'll stop with those two things and look at another way we can prepare for battle uh, next week. So so how can we we prepare for battle? Uh, Well, be ready. The key is be ready. Be alert. Are you alert? Are you alert for a battle that might come at, at this moment with the way your kids act or the way your spouse acts? Kids, are you ready for a battle right now? A battle to be distracted? A battle to dishonor your parents? Are you, are you ready for that temptation that might come to you? Are we all ready and on the alert? Do we all have that wartime footing that we're not giving We are not going to give Satan a foothold. We're not going to wait till he gets a foothold and then try and knock him off. We're not giving, giving him a foothold because we're ready. We're ready. We're on the alert. We see that finger crawl up on the edge of the cliff and like in a, like in a horror movie where you see that finger come and then another and then another. We're not, we're not giving him that chance. We're not waiting till the hand is all the way up there. We're on the alert. We're ready. We're looking for any chance. Are you ready? Are you ready for war? Are you ready for the battle? Are you ready for battle right now? Are you sober? 
mean, that's one of the things we, one of the things we have to consider is, are, are you sober or are you, are you drunk? I mean, look at your life. Does your life look like the life of someone who is ready for battle? If we were to just look at the ins and outs of your day and your thoughts and what you do and how you do your life and what you've planned for yourself, does it, does it look like someone who's ready for battle at any time? Or is your life, you know, look, just look like someone who's guzzling from the world's fountain? I mean, you watch the same things the world watches. You talk like they talk. Your marriages look like their marriages. Your kids are raised basically the same. And so I love when people say, aren't, aren't you afraid your kids won't fit in? No, I'm afraid they will. The reason I'm afraid they will is because I'm afraid I fit in too much. For so many Christians, we've got to be careful that church isn't just like hangover medicine for us. Where we've gotten so drunk on the world, we've had a, we've had a six pack of worldly days. And church is like our, our hangover cup of coffee. Our great plunge back into the trough. Sunday morning is like our walk of shame. As if God's going, well, where, where were you this week? Well, it's all, it's all kind of foggy. I, I remember driving out of church, the church parking lot, and after that, it's all kind of a blur. But I know it started when she said, you know. You and I need to be careful that our minds are not drunk with the things of this world instead are constantly ready for action. That your mind is always ready for battle, that you always have your wits about you. And this world will dull your wits. The things of this world will dull your wits. Then you'll walk right into the trap. Walk right into it. We've set, if, if we've set our hope fully on, like, like, uh, like, like Paul says, if we set our hope fully on the, the grace to come, as Peter says, then that's what we'll live for. And, and our mind affects how we live. Are you ready for action? Or are you still looking at the world to satisfy you? Are you sober? If you're not, sober up. It's a whole lot better to sober up from God's Word than it is to sober up because your foot's stuck in a trap. It's a whole lot better to sober up uh, and realize, oh no, what I could have almost done than it is to sober up because you're looking at what you did do. Sober up or you will find yourself ensnared because the enemy is looking to devour you and a fool would wander right into the trap. Are you sober? And are you awake? Are you awake? Well, again, the easy way to answer that is, are you asleep? Do you fall into certain battles because the devil catches you sleeping? I mean, some of us would, would never, never be caught sleeping on the job. It would mortify us if someone were to walk up and find us asleep. We, I mean, it would go to our, the depths of our very manhood uh, for someone to find that. But we're doing something even worse. We're not asleep in the job. We're asleep in the battle. There's a battle going on and you're choosing to sleep. We've grown so comfortable in the midst of a war that we allow ourselves to doze. Look, the lion doesn't doze. The lion prowls. And one thing he's watching for is he's watching for your head to start nodding. He's watching for your eyelids to start that slow 
and steady blink. Satan is watching that. Satan is ready for you to fall asleep. That's why you must stay awake. And if you believe that, then you would do all that you could to stay awake and stay sober. God has told you, your enemy's crouching at the door. Your enemy's just outside, just outside the firelight. So be ready. His desire is to devour you. So be ready. If you believe him, if you believe God, if, if, we, if we just believe the Lord when he told us these things, the sheer adrenaline of the battle would have us on our toes. If we believed, I mean, you want to talk about if you had an ounce of faith, you would move mountains. If you had an ounce of faith in what the Lord told you about this battle, there's no way you would allow yourself to get drunk. There's no way you'd be anything but awake. The devil is wanting to devour you. And you're like, neat. Would never happen. Would never happen. So believe the Lord God and be ready at all times. Why? Because your eyes have been opened. You're not in the dark anymore. How could you ever sleep? There's a lion in the streets. So be ready, Christian. The enemy is out there. He's roaming about. The Lord has prepared you for the battle. But are you ready? How do you get ready? First thing you do, you're alert. You wake up and you sober up. Because it's time to fight. It's time to win. Let's pray. We asked those two questions, so now I want you to ask the Lord those two questions, to ask the Lord to search your heart and show you. Are you sober? Are you, are you alert? Are you ready for battle? Do you look like someone who's, who's ready for battle at all times? Because if there's a time you're not ready, I guarantee you that's the time the devil's going to take. He's not a gentleman. He's not going to wait for you to armor up. He's not going to wait for you to get prepared. He's not going to wait for you to have a good day. He's going to wait for you to nod. He's going to wait for you to to sip just enough of the world's things to start to to become just even a little tipsy. Are you sober? Are you ready for battle? Are your senses about you? Ask the Lord, Lord, am I sober? And if if you ask that and the Lord says, no, you haven't been, you haven't been sober. You do have, you've got too much of the, the world that you, you, you are drinking way too much of the world. You're, you're not, you're not, you're not believing. You're not believing what I say about the battle. You're not believing what I say about the world. Well, then repent. I mean, that's, that's why the, that's why the word is here telling us these things. So not just, you go, oh, well, I guess I wasn't sober. I have a big failure. No, sober up now. Sober up. Lest you find yourself in the snare. Sober up now. Ask the Lord to sober you up. The good news is, That's what he's doing. That's what the conviction is. The conviction, you're not sober, is exactly how he sobers you up. And then ask the Lord, are you awake? Are you awake? Or have you been sleeping, Christian? Ask God if you'd allowed yourself to sort of doze. To be ready sometimes, but not all the time. To get comfortable instead of always being ready for battle. You're not in the dark anymore. You're in the light. You know the truth. So don't go to sleep. Don't go to sleep like some fool. 
Because the lion will wait for your head to start nodding. He'll wait for your eyes to start drooping. So ask the Lord, am I awake? And then wake up. Wake up. The lights have been turned on. The battle is there. Your enemy certainly is. Ask the Lord to make you ready. Ask the Lord to make you alert. Father, that's our desire today, God. We thank you for your word. And we have already committed that all that you have spoken, we will do. And you have spoken to us and told us to be sober and be awake. And we have committed ourselves, as we must do, to obey your word even before we hear your word. And certainly after hearing it, we must be obedient to it. So, Father, I pray as your children that you would use these these verses, these passages to wake us up, to sober us up, that we might be ready. That we might, for your name, glorify you in every battle. You who have prepared us, you who have equipped us, that we would do nothing that that would sully your name because of how we, your children, handle the war. And, Father, for our own sakes as well. Because we know the consequences of lost battles. They may not touch our eternity, Father, but they can certainly ruin our today and our tomorrow and even our kids' tomorrows. Let us be that afraid of the battle so that we would never allow ourselves to be drunk, so that we'd never allow ourselves to be asleep, but that we'd always be awake, that we'd always be sober for your glory, and for our good. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for sobering us up from the things of the world in Christ. Thank you for waking us up, pulling us out of darkness, putting us in the light. All of this is only possible because we are your children. And for that, we thank you. And we fix our eyes on Christ. And we're awake and we're sober. We're alert. We're ready for the battle. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.